Well, following last Sunday afternoon's 5pm service, there was another conversation I got involved with uh, that shaped this evening's message. And um, in Romans chapter 14, it's speaking about those who are weak and those who are strong in faith and not to quarrel over what we might call secondary issues. And we've uh, looked at the basic principles involved there. What are these uh, secondary things? These uh, disputable areas that we shouldn't dispute over. We should agree to disagree. And uh, it was mainly about food in Rome because there were Jewish converts and there were Gentile converts. Uh, And the Jews brought all their former food laws. And there was a lot of baggage there to to sort through, which the Gentiles didn't have uh, to unpack. And so some of the Jewish... Now, Christians would be quite sensitive about eating that uh, pork sausage roll at the open lunch, whereas the Gentile believer had no qualms about it. And the uh, Jew might be condemning and judging the Gentile for eating, and the Gentile might be despising the Jew for being so weak on the, the issue. And Paul says, don't do that. Don't quarrel over disputables. If you heard a good sermon on the nature of Jesus Christ and his atoning work, talk about that, not sausage rolls. You know, how many churches end up quarrelling about silly little things? Really, the the mind boggles. There's a a heart to be refined here. There's a a world that needs to be told about Jesus and we will get sidetracked by red and white bunting and uh, the colour of a door and... Uh, how we do things, stand up, sit down, and what instruments we might use. You know, shame on us. And uh, Paul deals with it. He gives one example, but we need to make the applications. There was another issue Paul doesn't spend much time on, and it comes in verse 5 of Romans 14. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honour of the Lord. So there was an issue in Rome about days. And uh, again, it would come from the Jewish converts. The Jews had so many special days, as well as the Sabbath day, which was the last day of the week, our Saturday, there were also special Sabbaths that they observed. There were feast days, there were festival weeks and packed with special days and what they could do and couldn't do on those days, whereas the Gentiles had none of these. But both are now converted and there they are in the same church fellowship in Rome. And so there were disputes about days. Now the question arises, is Romans 14 even considering the Sabbath as being an issue over which Christians could disagree? And uh, you read some commentators and they say, certainly not. It is an immovable part of the moral law. And other commentators say, well, it clearly was a disputable because people do dispute the Sabbath. And I I have to agree with the latter. Clearly it's a disputable issue because people do dispute it. It would be madness to think 
that Paul wasn't addressing even the Sabbath day and the Christian Sabbath as it had become in Rome in AD 55. Now, last Sunday then after the five o'clock service, chatting with, I don't mind naming him because uh, he wouldn't mind being named, it was Peter Milson. We're, we're chatting out here and he, he, he said, look, good, good exposition, thank you. And uh, on, on this issue of days, I said, well, I've sort of glossed over that. And he said, well, it, it is an interesting thing. In a recent Christian conference, a minister's conference that I was in, they were discussing the Christian Sabbath. And almost to a man, the younger minister said, it's not a special day. And almost to a man, the older minister said, it most certainly is a special day. And uh, they weren't quarrelling about it, but they were having certainly healthy discussions together on this issue. I don't know what your thinking is here uh, this, this afternoon. Uh, is this or is this not a distinctive day, uh, a special day? And so what I want to do, and I hope it's not a, a paper chase, but if you've got your Bibles ready, there's much I, I want to flick through, particularly in the Old Testament, which is very, very foundational. And then to look into the New Testament and to draw some Conclusion. So what is the truth on the matter of discussing the use of the Sabbath day in particular I want to focus on? Well, we could certainly begin with the principle in Romans 14 and verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, and I don't know who the weak or the strong would be here, whether it's the one who wants to observe very strictly the Sabbath or the one who says there's nothing special about this particular day anymore. But as for the one who is weak, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Again, it's that play on words in the Greek, not to dispute over disputables. And when it comes to particular days, verse 5, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Now here's the thing, each one, you, you got to think, you got to work it through, each one. You don't do what your parents did, necessarily. You don't do what the pastor says, necessarily. You need to be a noble Berean on this. You got to do your own research, each one. So husbands, you don't do what your wife says. Wives, you don't do what your husband says. You work each one. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And the one who observes the day, observes it in honour of the Lord. He doesn't give the contrary here. The one who doesn't observe the day, doesn't observe it to the honour of the Lord. He doesn't give that uh, aspect of things. But let's not quarrel about this, says Paul, and uh, resolve it in your own mind. Think it through. Think it through. Well, I read the Ten Commandments, and uh, the Fourth Commandment is focused on the Sabbath day. Keep the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. It's a Sabbath day to the Lord. Great detail is given. It's part of the Ten Commandments. There are Ten Commandments. Uh, many consider that today there are only nine, perhaps. And the, um, the, the Sabbath commandment has been taken out. 
There must have been a reason for God placing the Sabbath day in the moral law. And that's where it sits. It's in the moral law. There is also in the Old Testament, of course, the ceremonial law. And the ceremonial law has been abrogated. It, it has gone. It's been removed. It was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the sacrificial system was a shadow of what Jesus Christ was going to do. But the moral law stands forever. Even when we get to heaven, we will be no less obligated to love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and love our neighbour as ourselves as we are here on planet Earth. Of course, we will still keep the Ten Commandments and the moral law of God. The moral law of God is an eternal law. It gives us a representation of who God is and it is a law of love. It teaches me my size. It's my schoolmaster to show me I'm a sinner, says Paul in the letter to the Galatians. I cannot keep the law of God. And that's why I need a saviour. And so once I've been shown my size by the moral law, the Spirit then graciously points me to one who kept it for me. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. God will not lower his standard, but he has a way, and it's in the gospel, whereby we can be raised to his standard. So Jesus comes and he keeps the moral law in my place. So he's Jesus, fully God, fully man. God, the eternal son, becomes one of us. He leaves the glory of heaven, comes to this earth and takes a body like yours and mine. He takes a human nature like yours and mine, sin apart. And in that one person, Jesus Christ, are two natures, fully divine, fully human. And he comes to represent me. Adam failed in the Garden of Eden, but now comes the Lord Jesus Christ. And he excelled in every area. He keeps the law of God for me because I can't do it. Then he dies as if he were me. All right. That's the gospel. Believe it, O sinner, believe it. Believe the glad message. It's true. He rose again from the dead, proving it's all true. The moral law, he kept it for me. The ceremonial law were only shadows and pictures. So the clothing of the high priests and the incense and the altar and the animal sacrifices are all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the ceremonial law is gone, but the moral law, of course, remains. Now, what about the Sabbath? It's in the moral law. There it is, the fourth commandment. And with the moral law generally, the Christian now has something remarkable. He has a desire to keep it, whereas before it was pleased myself. And in the Holy Spirit, he has power to live the life divine. So this is a wonderful reality. My heart is transformed from stone to flesh. My disposition is changed from self to Christ. And the Holy Spirit dwells within me to seek to keep the law of God. But what about the Sabbath day then what is the truth on the matter and I come back to this principle here in Romans 5 each one you you so I've done some work this week but you need to do the work as well don't believe all I'm saying necessarily give me a fair hearing 
and hear the whole sermon out before you throw eggs at me or whatever it might be. Let's not quarrel over it. Let's not fall out over it. I I think I've come to a, a measured position on it, but you have to hear me out. But each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. So let's begin in the Old Testament. And I'm sorry if it's a bit of a a paper chase, but let's see what the scriptures say on the Sabbath. And we've got to begin with the Jewish Sabbath and the Old Testament Sabbath. So Genesis 2 verses 1 and 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, that's our current Saturday, it's the last day of the week. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, six days. First day, let there be light. And on and on through the week. Then he comes to the Saturday. He finished all the work that he had done. And he, now here's a big clue as to what the Sabbath is about. He, God, rested on the Sabbath day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So it's a creation rest by God the Father. He seeks from that activity in creation. So there has to be a big clue there about what we are enjoying Today, So we can say this about that Old Testament Sabbath and the rest. It's a creation order. It's a creation order. It predates anything else. It's right back at the very foundations of life on this planet. A Sabbath rest. It's part of the creation order. So clearly it's a need that all mankind needs to observe. There are stories of nations trying to obliterate the Sabbath and going to a a 10-day week. I forgot which nation tried that uh, back in history. Let's get rid of a seven-day cycle. It seems so strange. Why? Who would come up with that idea? Seven. Where's that come from? Strange. We seem to default to 10 because uh, it's easiest talking to a youngster this week in primary school. Have you learnt your tables? Yeah, which, which one do you like doing? Ten times table. How high would that be? That's well, pretty easy, isn't it? Seems to make sense. And so you've got a government uh, thinking, let's go to a, a, a ten-day week and uh, a, a, whatever. Let's make it easier. People suffered. And today with these uh, difficult working contracts and uh, working day in and day out and overtime and more and more, it's very debilitating. We, we need this regular pattern of rest. Why? It's here, right at the beginning. It's in the creation order. But also, right back at the beginning, I believe clearly there's a picture here and a pointer of things to come. And uh, the New Testament picks up on, on this great, great fact of two things. One, a gospel rest. When you cease from your striving to please God in your own efforts and merit God by your own good works, you enter into a rest. 
And what a relief it is. The burden, Pilgrim's Progress, the burden fell off his back and rolled down the hill and into the tomb. And Christian gives three leaps for joy and goes on his way rejoicing. But it's, So it's a picture of that, the, the rest that a Christian has when he comes to faith. And uh, also it's appointed to the eternal rest of heaven itself. And so the Hebrew writer is inspired to pick up this theme. Hebrews 4 and verse 3. For we who have believed, trusted in Christ, enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. Well, where had he spoken? Well, there in Genesis chapter 2. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterwards in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So listening at home now, have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Listening here, don't know how many times you've been to chapel, whether you're a member, a deacon, an elder, a pastor, whatever you might be. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Because until you do, you don't enter the rest because you're still disobedient to the call to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he goes on. And, and when do you, today, not tomorrow, the devil says tomorrow. God says today. For if Joshua had given them that rest, was entering the promised land for the Jews. Is that the, the rest? Well, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, Listen to this, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, whether that's what we're enjoying today, I believe it's appointed towards heaven. Still that rest to come. Don't think that this is it. The best is yet uh, to come. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So it's a picture and a pointer is the Sabbath to the gospel rest, salvation and to the eternal rest of heaven. But let's move into Exodus chapter 16. Just before the giving of the Ten Commandments, God sends manna from heaven. And God promises he'll send it every day. And what they have to do is go out and collect the manna. And uh, he says, don't get more than you need for a day, because uh, if you try and store it overnight, it'll go rotten. But, um, of course, obedience doesn't come easily, does it? So they begin to gather, and quite a lot of them gather more than they need, and uh, they'll think, well, maybe it won't be there tomorrow. You know, are we any different today? Maybe God go, won't give supplies of grace tomorrow. I better uh, go, give us this day our daily bread. Well, here I am, 64. I've told you I'm 64, and a, and a bit more as well. And I'm still here. Isn't it amazing? So I don't know how many days that is. Anybody good at maths? 365 times 64. Anybody? Nobody? 
but you're shouting out at home, aren't you, children? Well, that's a lot of daily bread he's given to me, but, you know, we better get extra in case it doesn't come back tomorrow morning. And uh, as God said, it went rotten and there were worms in it. But amazingly, on the sixth day, gather twice as much. And it won't go off overnight on this occasion because tomorrow is a Sabbath rest for you. Don't go out on the Sabbath day. But would you believe it? Some did go out looking for manna on the Sabbath day and God is perplexed. How long do I put up with these people? So even in the gathering of manna, that's Exodus 16, 23 through 230. I've given an overview of what it says there. And then Exodus 20, the giving of the law. And God enshrines this day. He could have enshrined it just in the ceremonial law. And it is in the ceremonial law. And much comes out in the ceremonial law. But he enshrines it in the moral law. And interestingly, it's the longest of the Ten Commandments. There are 98 words in the Fourth Commandment. There are one, two, three, four words in the Sixth Commandment. You shall not... Murder, that seems to be a very important one. How important is not murdering? It's pretty important, isn't it? Only four words, though. How important is the Sabbath day? You shall keep the Sabbath. I mean, I, we could do that in five. But the Spirit takes 98 words. Isn't that fascinating? Why? Because we're pretty stupid. So he goes into lots of detail about what he means. And he even includes your animals. They get the day off as well. So the pack horse, he gets a day off. Now, oh God, even thinking of the animals and the huskies that pull the sledges, not on the Sabbath day. And the elephant that's moving the, the logs, not on the Sabbath day. And uh, even the alien within your gates, he gets a Sabbath. And 98 words. Let's move on to Exodus 31, because there's some very striking words here. Verse 12. And the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say. I find this quite amazing. You are to speak to the people of Israel and say. I don't know what uh, I would do with a list of things I wanted to say to the people of Israel. But God wants to prioritise what he wants to say to the people of Israel. Listen to this. You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. What do you think about that? Come on, be honest. What do you think about that? Above all, now God's speaking to Moses. Now you go and speak to the children of Israel. And you tell them this from me. Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. What, what made the, the Jews distinctive? Well, one was the day that they kept and the nations knew. Their food laws, they were distinctive. Circumcision, they were distinctive. 
There were certain distinctive things. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath day because it is holy for you. And Jesus picks up on this. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This is something for you, says God. It's holy for you. But listen to this. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Now tell the people of Israel this, Moses. What do you think about that? Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. For six days shall work be done. That's an important principle as well. Work. Work. We can get it, we do it, we, we get it, we work. Six days shall work be done. But the Sabbath is a, seventh is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant for a few years to come. It's actually as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth on the seventh day. Listen to this now. I just, some amazing things. Number one was the first, above all, tell them, keep the Sabbath. And then this, this end. In six days the Lord made heaven and earth. On the seventh he rested and was refreshed. Why? I find that quite something. God being refreshed. What do you think about that, my friends? I'd like to look into the Hebrew there, but I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Maybe if I'd had more time in the week and been more thorough, I could have looked more into God being refreshed. Now, there's a clue for you and, and, and me. What's this? De- do you feel refreshed? And it's been a busy day for me. I don't know how you're, you're feeling. But anyway, uh, people say, well, you're doing three services now on, on the Sunday. Well, you know, I love to preach. It's not, a, it's not a hardship. It's not a difficulty for me. You've been off to the hospital. Yeah, did that. And uh, fellowship after fight. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's been wonderful. Right grand, we'd say up north. What a, what a day. What a day. Sun in the sky, oh, why, oh, why would I want to be anywhere else than... With the Lord, with his, his people, what a, what a day. What a refreshment, even in the activity of a day like this. But at the same time, we shouldn't be so busy that we don't get refreshed. And we're not able to rest. And we need to think as churches how we plan a Sabbath day. And not to hurry and hurry and hassle families from one meeting to the next. There are some... Churches, I think they're quite enlightened, maybe. They started, and one I knew in, in Northern in America, they, they started, and a goodly number met together. One service Sunday morning, followed by a family lunch together, followed by a prayer meeting, then everybody uh, off to their homes, and little fellowship meetings would happen throughout the, the area. But uh, what, a, what a lovely picture that was. Well, I'm not saying that, anyway, I'm stepping down from... Uh, being pastor but as we open back up there are opportunities to rethink is it really about tearing from one meeting to the other God himself was refreshed 
And there's a picture there as to what the Sabbath really ought to be about. A refreshing rest. Exodus 35 gives a strange detail. And you wonder, well, what's this about? Exodus 35 and verse 2. For six days work shall be done, but on the Sabbath day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in your dwelling places on the seventh that Sabbath day. So, little clarification there, little extension, little addition comes in. Uh, don't make a fire in your dwelling on the Sabbath day. Um, Numbers 15 gives an incident about a man who was out gathering sticks to make a fire on the Sabbath, and they bring him to Moses, and the people take him out of the city, and he is stoned. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy, the clue is in the name, a second law, second stating of the law. Deutero, second, onomy, uh, nomi, law. Second stating of the law. And so the law is restated in Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 14. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant, your female servant, or your ox or your donkey or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant, your female servant may rest as well as you. Then this addition that's interesting. You shall remember on this day that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So we're moving on here. There's something extra being added. It's not now just a creation ordinance, but you remember your redemption from Egypt on this day. Remember you were slaves and you had to work, but I've set you free. And that's a picture of what we're doing here today. On this Christian Sabbath, we remember redemption and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We're coming to a conclusion in our Old Testament journey with uh, what I call the eternal heart of the Sabbath, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. Isaiah comes to the heart of the Sabbath. Isaiah 58 13 and 14, two stunning verses that get to the heart of this particular day. If you turn your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honourable, if you honour it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It's one of those if then. You honour this day, I'll honour you, says the Lord. Those who honour me, I will honour, says God, to, to Samuel and uh, honouring in him in his day. 
there's a real blessing. And but it comes from the heart. Is the Sabbath a delight? Is it something honourable? Am I looking to forego what I would do other days in the week and focus wholly on him? Well, there are other scriptures. You could look up Jeremiah 17 and 21 onwards. You could look up Nehemiah 13 for a narrative on the things that were happening on the Lord's day in Nehemiah's time. But time is going on. And let's move into the New Testament. Now, something quite remarkable happens, of course, on Calvary. In the incarnation, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because the law is fulfilled for us. The moral law, he kept it for me. And uh, by his spirit, he enables me to not only to desire, but he gives me power to live the life divine. And the shadows have gone because they were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So no longer do I have to uh, offer an animal. No longer do I have to keep a set a certain festival. And although I enjoy Christmas and Easter, there's nothing particularly special. And some uh, evangelical uh, leaders in certain times of history, they outlawed uh, Christmas and Easter as being uh, pagan things. But uh, no, I, I quite enjoy those things. And, uh, but we could differ on our opinions there. But what about the Sunday? What about the Sabbath? What about the old Saturday? Something quite remarkable. Shattering. Transforming. Of eternal significance happened on Calvary. What happens in the New Testament? Well, the Sabbath is the same but different. There is clearly a different emphasis when it comes to the Sabbath. So back into Romans 14, and some consider one day a special, others consider all days the same. Each one should be clear in his own mind. We don't want some to despise others, you Sabbath breaker. We don't want others to judge or despise e either way. You see, some say... Every, listen, now, there's nobody here would disagree with this statement. But some would say, every day is the Lord's day. To that, I'd have to say a hearty amen. Is it that I behave differently on the Sabbath day and I treat God in a different way and I remember him in a different way because it's now Sunday? I'd have to agree with my brother who says they're all the same. Every day is his day. Amen? Surely. And every day is to be lived to his glory. Do I live differently because it's Sunday than I did yesterday? Well, I would certainly hope that wouldn't be the case. I would trust very much that every day is his day. We'd all agree on that particular truth. So there's a different emphasis coming now. For the Jew in the Old Testament, indeed it was a very, very different, of the things they had to do from sundown on the Friday to sundown 
on the Saturday. But something has changed now. And hear me, me through. It's no longer Saturday, but Sunday. So there's a different emphasis. There's a different day now. It's gone from being the last day of the week to the first day of the week. And it's appointed to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, what would, what would have possibly changed a, a Jew steeped in Jewish tradition and law from worshipping on a Saturday to on a Sunday? Well, it had to be something as dramatic as the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he rose on the first day of the week. He rested in the tomb on that Sabbath day. And then he rose again on the first day of the week. His resurrection and redemption being declared and sealed by his resurrection from the dead. It was on the first day of the week, the Sunday, the Spirit was sent that day of Pentecost. It's on that first day of the week that God said in creation, let there be light. Jesus' post-resurrection appearances were on the first day of the week, indicating clearly his people should gather and he would meet with them. It's a different day. But it is the same heart. It is the same heart. And Isaiah 58 still remains the same today as it did in Old Testament times, as it will do throughout these gospel days, honouring the Lord here. Turn your foot back from the Sabbath by doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honourable. If you honour it by not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly. The same heart, the same desire, the same law is here. Exodus 20, the fourth commandment, is in the moral law. This is a law of love. Love God. This is how we're distinctive. What makes you and I different to the world? What are we doing that's different to them? Well, we're worshipping the living God. It's a Sabbath rest. But it's a rest to the Lord. We're doing something positive. Too many Christians make the Lord's day a negative. What you can't do. What we can do is this. And I trust from next Sunday, a, a, a fuller chapel. And people hanging over the gallery and the children chattering away. And oh, how what a delight that will be. What a positive thing the Lord's day is to us. The Lord Jesus Christ has much to say on the Sabbath. Let me quickly take us through a few incidents. I'm sure it wasn't to provoke the religious people that he did healings on the Sabbath day. But those that he does are predominantly on the Sabbath day. He wants to teach a lesson. He wants to bring reality to insanity that had come at the time of the Pharisees and the scribes. So here we are in Mark chapter 3. Again he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. You see what a tangle they got in through all their rules and regulations, man-made rules and regulations and traditions that God would not own. 
but they felt they were doing God's work. But they certainly were not. There was no heart. Heart had been ripped out. Do and do and line upon line. Where was the heart? Here's a man with a withered hand. And he said to the man with a withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them in anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians. What a, what a mixture. The worldly Herodians, the self-righteous religious Pharisees, they get together. They form an alliance, how they might destroy him. John chapter 5, and we'll finish with some principles and lots we could uh, discuss healthily together, perhaps. John 5, verse 8. Here's a man who was by the pool of Siloam. He'd been there for 38 years and Jesus comes up to him. He said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed. So he took up his bed and walked. Now, that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. It is not, it's almost ridiculous. It becomes farcical. Here's a man, and they know him. He's been there 38 years. Suddenly, I mean, they must have been, his legs must have been withered, atrophied, the muscles just gone. And now he's walking, carrying his bed. Horror of horrors, carrying his bed. It's the Sabbath. What are you doing? It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? It's all about, see, their man-made uh, rules are all important to them. John chapter 9 verse 13 here's a man who'd been born blind they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind now it was a Sabbath day see the Lord Jesus see what a day this is present with power to heal restore sight help you to walk now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made mud. He's working and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he'd received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how could a man who is a sinner do such signs? Well, you know, we, we could go on. And on, and Jesus bringing out application. Let's bring some conclusions then this evening. What do we conclude? Sabbath, we rest from our workaday life. But of course, through the teaching of Jesus, we have exceptions which are well accepted. Essential services and emergency services continue. You can go to the hospitals and save life and relieve 
pain. You can help people who are in distress. Acts of mercy, deeds of kindness, essential work, essential services. And today, in today's society, I remember as a youngster, Sunday was a total shutdown in Britain. That is not the case anymore. There were no shops open in Barnoldswick, Lancashire, Yorkshire as it was at the time. They moved us into Lancashire when I was a little bit older. Uh, they wouldn't get away with that today, but they did it in 1972. Um, what I thinking about? Oh, yeah. The only shop open in Barnoldswick was Molly Thompson on Courts Avenue. And you could buy anything from Molly Thompson, and uh, people did. And she made a fortune because she opened on it. I don't know how she got around the rules, but uh, she did. You wanted something, Molly Thompson would be open. Apart from that, and it was a dark shop, and the blinds were down. But she sold everything. Molly Thompson. Today, that's not the case. Rolls-Royce, my dad worked for Rolls-Royce, and uh, he worked... Eight till four. Came home. It was family time. He had half an hour for lunch. He'd come home from uh, Bankfield. He'd walk the 200 yards to our house, have his lunch with us. He'd walk back. And Dad was always home in the evening. Saturday and Sunday, he was home. He played football. He played cricket. Uh, took us playing to, to Rolls-Royce Sports Field. We played golf. We went on trips. Wonderful. Nobody worked on a Sunday, but things are different now. Times have changed. And it's right that a man should work. If the only job you can get contracts you to work on a Sunday, you need to work. Because it's right that you feed your family. It's an honourable thing to do. And so there will be occasions where with your whole heart you will want to be in the Lord's house... But you have to work because your contract says you need to work and you can ask your employer for some relief. But if he says no, he says no. And you can be looking for another job all the while and find one that where you're by. You don't have to work on a Sunday. But for many jobs today, you have to work on a Sunday. So we rest, but there are exceptions and we need to think it through. And some people will disagree with me on that. And they'll say, oh, no, I think there are no exceptions. And you should just sit at home until the right job comes and trust God through social services to, uh, to, to keep you. Well, all right, that's your opinion. It's certainly not mine. A man who doesn't, will not work sh- should not eat. And uh, with all your heart, you want a job where you don't work on Sunday. But on occasions, you just can't get one. Well, it's right that you work then. You need to work. But each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. I don't judge you and you don't despise me. We rest from our leisure. So, I, 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 I know that my five grandchildren from Newtown are on their way down. They should have left at six o'clock from Newtown. They're going to spend three days with us. It's going to be a, a busy time for me and Jill, but we'll have a, a lovely time. Aged 11 down to uh, 5. And uh, the two boys, 11 and 9, just love football. Love football. Love it. Watch it, play, and they're good. They're good. You know, I watch them, and B and Joel were up there. We go and watch their training, and we go and watch them play a match. And that's my grandson. Yeah, really. But now they're about to move up to the next stage, and the coach is keen. They move up to the, the bigger group, but they play on Sunday. 
They're not going to play. And so actually, the team are considering, do they, do they change their day? They're not going to change ours. They're not changing our day. But they can change theirs. So, leisure. Now, we could debate that, couldn't we? Well, what, what can you do? I told you about an elder in... Uh, the church we used to work for, uh, uh, being a little judgmental of me and Jill because William was sat watching Thomas the Tank Engine on the Lord's Day. Well, I'm sure his grandchildren watch Thomas the Tank Engine now on the Lord's Day and I'm sure he doesn't bat an eyelid about it, but times are, times are different. What, what constitutes leisure? Now, the Pharisees tied themselves in such knots. They said, well... A Sabbath day's walk is the limit. That was about uh, a thousand yards. It's as far as you could walk. And they kept to that. In fact, they redefined it. You can't go more than a thousand yards from your property. So they way around that. If they wanted to go 5,000 yards, then the day before they'd send a servant who'd put one of uh, maybe a cooking utensil a thousand yards from their house, then 2,000 yards from their house, and 3,000 yards and 4,000 yards. And so the Pharisee could walk along from his property a thousand yards. He'd find, oh, that's my knife. This is my property. I can walk another thousand yards. And so he would do to the next way marker. Oh, my property. Another thousand. Oh, my property. See, it becomes a farce. How ridiculous. What leisure can you do? Can I walk around Hendra Lake? Well, I do. What would you do? You shouldn't. Let each man settle it in his own mind. Don't be judgmental and don't despise. So we rest from our work a day, normal work a day, but there are exceptions. We rest from our normal leisures, but there are exceptions, there are boundaries. But you work it out. Don't ask me to work it out for you. I can give the principles and here they are. But the great positive is it's not a negative, the Lord's Day. It's a Sabbath to the Lord. And we love to gather to worship. It's something of a test as to how we are spiritually. Hebrews 10, don't forsake gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. Quoted that song already. Comes again to mind. Sun in the sky, oh why, oh why. Would I want to be anywhere else? If the doors are open and the call is coming, I know I want to be there we're going to differ in the details and that's healthy I'm thinking this morning about the cults they're all the same and churches can become cultish and uh, you go to some churches they're all dressed in their suits and they all look the same all got the same version of the bible and the same look and the same smell and the same smiles and the same language that they Use is there something wrong here? Something very odd about this. There's something very healthy about having a good diversity of views on what we can and can't do, perhaps. Shopping. Would you shop? Well, you surely there's no Christian who'd go out to do their main shop on a Sunday. Is there? Is there? Well, you know, there might be, and there might be reasons why they Simply have to do that. Circumstances have forced them that way. Maybe you just ran out of milk and those five grandchildren are coming and they've you know, got no bread in the house. So you're a big hungry set they are as well. I'm not going to tell you what I would do. 
What would you do? Would you go to the spa? Have you, have you done that? I mean, things have changed since 1980. You know, and I think the, 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 the roof would fall in if I did such a thing. I won't tell you. you. You work it out. You work it out. TV, can we watch the television? Did you watch the Euro 2020 final? It was on a Sunday night. How many times do we attend? Once, twice, three, three times. We can go three times now at the moment. What do you wear on a Sunday? How far would you travel? No, in days gone, oh, of course, you've seen the, 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 the picture of the broad and the narrow way. And the broad road leading to destruction, the narrow way leading to life. And across the broad way, Sunday travel. Now, would we travel today? Former bus driver here, would we travel today? Have you ever been on a train journey? Have you driven your car for some leisure activity on the Lord's Day? We're going to differ on that. And we should work it out and settle it in our minds. But the positive, it's a holy day. It's a creation ordinance. It's enshrined in the moral law. It's sealed by Christ's resurrection from the dead, his resurrection appearances. And think of all the glorious work that's been done and the multiplicity of people who've been saved on the Lord's day is beyond any doubt and mighty acts of sanctification and renewal and being restored to, to God through the preaching of the word. There's no doubt that God has honoured this day and we need to honour it too. But working out the details is something that you and I need to grapple with individually. Work it out and take a message like this and think it through and look up other scriptures uh, as well. And there's a diversity of views from good men, good evangelical reform men who will differ on this issue. But I hope tonight I brought something of a balanced view. It's a lot longer than I normally am. Gosh, you've had two sermons tonight. So I really preach four times today. Uh, already but I think we'll leave it at that particular point let's let's pray father thank you for time in your house with your people most of all with you under your word pray you lead us and guide us in the paths of peace that we might grow ever closer to you and be more and more like our saviour the Lord Jesus Christ amen